Well, I'm, uh, I'll just tell you that I am very, very excited about, uh, about this class. I'm very excited about the next eight weeks together. And hopefully uh, I'll see all of you here the next eight weeks. Um, I think it's going to be an exciting, exciting journey. We'll be talking about leadership. Leadership. Um, I love, I love this subject. I love the subject of leadership. One of the reasons why I love the uh, subject of leadership is, is that, is that everyone is a leader. Now, you may not see yourself as a leader. You may not think that you are a leader. You may not have a position as a leader, but you are a leader. Everyone is a leader. Everyone is leading someone. You might be leading a spouse. That makes you a leader. Uh, You might be leading um, a child. That makes you a leader. You might be leading a ministry. Or if you're not leading a ministry, you may lead a ministry sometime in the future. Um, you may have co-workers that have been placed under you. That makes you a leader. Um, you may have a friend who comes to you for advice and counsel. That makes you a leader. So, so that's why I'm so excited about this uh, subject in this class, because it pertains to everybody. It's uh, pertinent to everybody. Everyone is a leader. Everyone is leading someone. Uh, John Quincy Adams said, if your actions inspire others to dream more, learn more, do more, or become more, according to John Quincy Adams, you are a leader. Well, I would say even if you fail to make others dream more, learn more, do more, and become more, you are still a leader. You might be a bad leader. but you're still a leader. Um, You might not be leading well, but you're still leading. Because anytime you have someone following you, you're a leader. I was just thinking today, I was thinking back to when I was in junior high, you know, way, way back. Yeah, they had junior highs back, back in the 1800s when I was young. I was thinking today, back way back in junior high, I remember uh, I was a preacher's kid. My dad was a pastor, and uh, my best friend was the deacon's kid. Somebody said the reason why preacher's kids are so bad is because they're always hanging out with the deacon's kids. Well, actually, the reverse of that was true. Um, I was a year older than, than him. I was like in ninth grade. He was like in eighth grade. And, uh, and, and when I was serving the Lord, he served the Lord. When I wasn't serving the Lord, at least to the greatest capacity that I should be serving the Lord, well, he tended to follow me in any direction. 
Um, we're leaders, aren't we? Someone is following. That makes us a leader. Somebody said no man is an island. Everything we do, everything we, we say affects and influences others. Now, there are many, many different def- definitions for the word leadership. And there are hundreds of books written on the subject of leadership. And each writer has his own um, definition for the word leadership. My favorite is the one John Maxwell uses. John Maxwell is kind of the guru of leadership, been around for a long, long time. And uh, his uh, definition of leadership, I believe, is, is, is the correct one, or it's the one that I that I uh, uh, tend to, to, to uh, believe in that. He says leadership is influence. Influence. What is leadership? Leadership is influence. If you have influence in someone's life, you are leading. If your opinion matters to someone, If your opinion matters to some organization, you are leading. And you don't have to have a position, you don't have to have a title to be a leader. Fact of the matter is, a lot of people that have the position and have the title are not truly leading. Because if no one is following, you're not leading. Just because you don't have the position, you don't have the title, but if someone is following you, you are leading. On the other hand, if you have the position, you have the title, you have the salary, you have the perks, but if nobody is leading, if they're looking to someone other than you for direction, you are not the leader. Tonight's lesson I've entitled Leadership Essentials. Leadership Essentials. Let's get started in in our notes tonight. Leadership essentials. What is essential, absolutely essential for a successful leader? There are many, many things we could talk about tonight, but I've narrowed it to three. doesn't mean these are the only three, but I've narrowed it for our time to three. In your notes, it says, there are many things that a leader can get by without having. Many things, a host of things that a leader can get by without having. Because, see, these things he can either borrow from or delegate to others. Don't have to have all the answers to be a leader. Don't have to have all the talent. You don't have to have all the ability to be a leader. Some things that are absolutely essential. The other things you can either borrow from someone or you can delegate to others. The fact of the matter is no one is good at everything. No one is good at everything. In fact, the matter, um, for most people, Actually, there's only one or two or three things that we are good at. For most people. 
that we excel at, that we rise to the top, that we are recognized for. Nobody is good at, at everything, and good leaders recognize this. And we'll talk about this uh, in, the, in the next few weeks. We'll talk about the fact that we're not good at everything. Leaders are not good at everything, don't have to be good at everything. And good leaders recognize they're not good at everything. And the things they're not good at, they find people that are better at it than they are, and they empower them to do it. Leadership is not about doing more than anyone else. Leadership is about getting the job done and getting it done efficiently. Although there are a lot of things that we're not good at, there are a lot of things that are not essential to a Uh, a successful leader, there are, back to our notes, there are other things that are absolutely essential to the success of a leader. We'll give you three of those. The first one is passion. Passion. Ecclesiastes chapter 9 and verse 10 The writer says, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. Or do it with passion. If something is worth doing, it's worth doing right, and it's worth doing with passion. Here's what I believe, and that is you cannot successfully lead people or programs that you're not passionate about. You cannot successfully lead people or programs that you are not passionate about. And here's something else. You cannot fake passion. Cannot fake passion, at least not for long. And here's what we need to understand. Passion shows up, shows on your face. It shows in your voice. And it shows in your actions. Proverbs chapter 15 and verse 13 says, A glad heart makes a happy face. Did you know I can tell what is down in your heart by looking at your face? I can tell if you're happy. I can tell if you're sad. I can tell if you're troubled. That's not a, I don't bet a thousand. Not a hundred percent, but But the wisdom writer said, I didn't say it, the wisdom writer said, it's scripture. A glad heart makes a happy face. Somebody said, if you're happy, notify your face. Passion shows on your face, in your voice, and in your actions. Eugene Ormandy was a conductor of the Philadelphia Orchestra. True story. He was so passionate about his conducting that once during a performance he dislocated his shoulder, he was so into it. Now that's passion. That is passion. Passion shows on your face, in your voice, in your actions. Lack of passion shows up here too. Here's something else that I've discovered, and that is 
You cannot be passionate about what you don't enjoy. You cannot be passionate about what you don't enjoy. And let me just encourage you, life's too short to spend it spending your time on things that you don't enjoy. And if you don't enjoy it, you're not going to be passionate about it. If you're not passionate about it, you're probably not going to do a good job. If you don't do a good job, you're not going to be successful. So find what it is that drives you. Find what motivates you. Find what you can be passionate about. Now, don't quit your, you know, don't just, you know, find something else first, okay? You can survive without passion, but you will never excel without it. You can survive without passion, but you will never excel without it. Several, many years ago now, I was pastoring a church. We'd been there about six years, and, and, and I just felt like it was time for a change. I felt like the Lord was going to do something different with me, and I felt it was time for a change. And so, and so I had a board meeting, and I told my, fellow, my men, I said, guys, I said, I'm I just feel like the Lord's moving me on, and I'm 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 going to resign. And I and I was doing what I just told you not to do, okay? But anyway, <laughs> the guy said, "Where are you going, Pastor?" I said, well, "I don't have anywhere to go." He said, "You don't have another church to go?" I said, "No, I have, I don't have another church. I'm I'm just but I feel like I just feel that I'm I'm done here." And and they said, "Well." Man, don't 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 resign until you have another place to go, man. Just you know, just stay here. We don't want you to leave. We don't want you to leave, and and please don't leave. And please just stay here. And and you know, if you get an opportunity to go, you know, candidate for another church, we'll release you to go do that. And maybe you'll go do that, and you know, it, it won't work out, or you won't want. You know, maybe you'll change your mind, blah blah. blah whatever. We just don't want you to leave. So please don't, you know, don't don't do this until at least you got somewhere else to go. So after a lot of persuasion, I, I said, okay. About two weeks into it, I had another board meeting. I said, guys, can't do this. Can't do this. I don't have any passion for this anymore. What I was passionate about, I'm not passionate about anymore. God has released me. It's not fair to you. It's not fair to this church. It's really not fair to me because I'm doing something I'm not passionate about. You can survive without passion, but you'll never excel without it. Talk about leadership essentials. What, what, is, what is essential to leadership? What, as a leader, what must I have to be successful as a leader? Well, I believe, number one, you have to have passion for what you're doing. You say, well, pastor, you know, if I've lost that, how am I going to regain it? Well, let me, let me, let me help you out. Three things you need to do. Talk about how to revive passion. First thing you need to do is you need to remember. You need to remember. Remember what, Pastor? Well, um, uh, how bad you wanted what you have right now. Remember how bad you wanted to be whatever it is you are. 
when I was uh, about 16 years old, I was attending a church and I was called into ministry and I actually already had my beginner's license to preach, my, the first, first step. Remember how it once was. Remember ministry. already had that at age 16. I was a co-youth leader. I was a youth, but I was still a co-youth leader in our youth group. And every other Wednesday night, I, I, I preached to the, in the youth group at age 16. And I, I remember at age 16, I had my little first little license, and I preached a little bit and, and whatever. And, I, and I, remember, I remember when our pastor would go on vacation, he would always call somebody in to fill in for him. And I remember sitting there and thinking, why did he call him in, man? Why, why did he call this guy? Why did he call him in, man? I'm sitting here right here, man. I'm on go, man. Why don't he ask me, man? Let, I, wish I, could, I wish he'd let me preach on Sunday morning, man. He, you know, he don't need to call somebody else in. I'm, I'm right here. I remember it when I was just, and I don't recommend this, but just at the age of 17, I was married and pastoring a church. Crazy, ridiculous, don't ever, don't, well, you're not going to try, you're past. <laughs> Crazy, but we did it. But I remember how excited I was, you know, at 17 to get that first church, you know, just a little tiny church, just a handful of, of elderly widowers. But man, you know, I'm a pastor, man, this is my church, man, this is my ministry, man. I, I remember the excitement, I remember how, how exciting it was, I remember how, how, great, how great it was, and I remember how, how, how excited I was about it. Some of you maybe need to remember, remember how bad you wanted that degree. Remember how bad you wanted that position. Remember how bad you wanted that mate. Uh-oh, we're back into marriage, aren't we? But it works there too, doesn't it? Works there too. Reviving passion. You need to remember. Remember how excited you were, you know, how, how you anticipated, how, how you pre- how, how you prepared for it, how, how you wanted it, how you dreamed about it, how, how excited you were when it finally happened. You need to remember that. Remember. I'll tell you how to remember it. Just lose it. Just lose it. I remember one time my wife and I made a, made a, made a mistake. We, we left a place we shouldn't have left. We left somewhere we shouldn't have left. And I'll never forget how I felt. I mean, it wasn't 30 minutes after I did it that I realized, man, I have blown this. I have messed up. If you have problem problem in the area of, of, of passion for whether it's a ministry, a job, a marriage, parenting, what you just need to you, you need to remember how bad you wanted it. Remember. Coach Paul Bear Bryant, longtime coach of Alabama, loved football, lived football, breathed football, loved coaching. Paul Bear Bryant made this statement. He said, if I ever quit coaching, I'll be dead in six months. That's how passionate he was about what he did. He died 
six weeks after he retired. How do you revive passion? First of all, you need to remember. Second thing you need to do is you need to remove. Remove. What do you remove? Well, remove whatever it is that is draining your passion. Remove whatever it is that is draining your passion. It might be people. Now, if you're married, I'm not talking about divorce. But maybe you're hanging around the wrong people. Because people will either encourage you or discourage you. They'll either lift you up or they'll pull you down. They'll either help you or they'll harm you. We need to be careful who we hang around. Remove whatever it is that's draining your, your passion. It might be people. It might be procedures. It might be what you're doing. You know, you're so caught up in the nuts and the bolts of things that you're not able to do what you really designed and supposed to be doing. Maybe it's a place. Maybe it's a place. You know, how do you revive passion? Number one, remember. Number two, remove. Number three, rearrange. Little things, details that could and, and should be delegated and uh, to others are consuming your time. Because here's what we need to understand as leaders. This is what we should understand as as leaders, we should eventually, say eventually. As leaders, we should eventually get to the place where we only do what only we can do. If you're going to be an effective leader, if you're going to excel in leadership, you're going to eventually, and it's going to take some time, but eventually get to the place where you are all you are doing is all you can do. If somebody else can do it, then they ought to be doing it. Now, I understand if it's a one-man band, I, you know, I understand that. You know, it's a it process of time. But even if it's a one-man band, you know, if it's, you know, one-man show, that's what, you, you, you know, you recruit volunteers and help, right? Leaders should eventually get to the place where they only do what they can, what they, only they can do. Everything else gets delegated. Leaders eventually should get to the place where they only do what they do best. Only do what they do best. Because you're going to be most productive. Are you going to be very productive in doing a little bit of everything? You're going to be productive in discovering your gifts, talents, and abilities. You're going to be productive in finding out those two, maybe three things that you do well, that you do exceptional, that you do better than the average, then hardly anybody and nobody in your organization can do it as good as you. Discover what those two or three things, maybe one of the, one thing is, and then, and then eventually get to the place when that is all that you do. Everything else is delegated. Everything else is done by the volunteers, the staff, the help. Eventually get into the place where all you are doing is the number one thing that adds the most value to your organization. I'm not too good to sweep or mop. I've, I've swept, I've mopped churches. 
I'm not too good. I'm not too good to stack chairs. I've stacked a thousand chairs. Not too good to do menial labor. I'm not too, I'm not, I'm not too good. I'm, I'm no better than anybody. I'm not too good to do manual labor, but I'm too valuable. I'm not being egotistical. I'm just saying that's not where I add value to my organization. I can hire somebody to sweep a floor. I can, I, can, I can ask someone to stack some chairs. I can, you know, delegate so that I have time. Because if I'm, if I'm stacking chairs and sweeping floors and cleaning the toilets, you know, I don't have time to study. I don't have time to pray. I don't have time to dig. I don't have time to read. I don't have time to develop my, my skill and develop who I am and who God wants me to be. Does that make sense? Eventually, getting to the place where all we, where the leader does is what he does, what, what he adds the most value to his organization. Here's what we need to understand: people are passionate about what they are good at. People are passionate about what they are good at, and they are good at what they are passionate about. All right, so we're talking about leadership essentials. A leader needs a lot of things, but there, there are some things that are absolutely essential, things that he mu- I'm talking about to be a successful leader. And the first one is he must have some passion. He must be excited. He must be driven uh, a- a- about what he's doing. Second leadership essential is persistence. Persistence. Proverbs chapter 12 and verse 24 says, Work hard and you'll become a leader. Be lazy and you'll become a slave. Verse 27, lazy people won't even cook the game they can. Anybody can be the leader when everything is going well. Reason why leaders come and go a lot sometimes, you know. Reason why some pastors leave after every year, every year and a half. Because they have the honeymoon time, you know, where he's the new person, the new kid on the block, you know, and everybody's excited, you know. But the diligent will make use of everything they find. And Proverbs 24 and 10 says, if you fail under pressure, your strength is too small. Here's what I've discovered. Anyone can lead when all is well. Somebody said the new broom sweeps cleaner, but I say the old broom knows where the dirt is. Anybody can lead when all is well. Anybody can lead when, you know, in the honeymoon phase when everybody's, you know, excited about the new leadership and excited about, you know, uh, the new direction, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Anyone can lead when all is well. Anyone can lead when things are working. But the truth of the matter is leaders are needed most in difficult times. In fact, that's where you discover leaders is when things get hard. See, to merely hold the position of a leader is not hard at all. The difficulty comes when the problems show up. Because wannabe leaders quit. Wannabe leaders quit. 
when times get hard. They quit when they don't see the results they want to see quick enough. And no leader ever sees the results they want to see quick enough. Wannabe leaders, they quit when they get criticized or feel unappreciated. Wannabe leaders quit when they get criticized or feel unappreciated. Let me tell you, if you are a leader, you will be criticized. Every time I make a decision, I make some people happy and some people unhappy. I make some people glad, I make some people sad. It's the nature of being the leader. If you're the leader, you have a target on your back. If you're a leader, the people in the cheap seats who have never played a down of football their entire life, have never coached a down of football their entire life, but they will criticize the Hall of Fame Super Bowl winning coach for running when they think he should have passed or passing when they think he should have run or starting John Jones instead of Bill Smith Wannabe leaders will quit when they get criticized. They will quit when they, get, when they feel unappreciated. And as a leader, you will feel unappreciated. People will take you for granted. When things are going well, they say, look what we did. When things are going bad, they say, look what you did. It's just the nature of leadership. So that being said, persistence is essential to the success of a leader. And there will be no substantial success without persistence. What we need to understand is leadership is a marathon, not a hundred-yard dash. Leadership is a marathon, not a hundred-yard dash. How many know what the three laws of the harvest are? Three laws of the harvest. Write these down. Three, three laws of the harvest. The first law of the harvest is you reap what you sow. You reap what you sow. If I sow corn, I'm going to reap potatoes. Right? Cucumbers. Right? What am I going to reap? I'm going to reap what I sowed, right? I'm going to reap what I sowed. Second law of the harvest is you're going to reap more than you sow. You're going to reap more than you sow. I mean, why would you put the effort into sowing if all you were going to get back is what you put in the ground? That would be kind of silly, wouldn't it? No, you reap more than you sow. That's, that's a law. It's a law of the harvest. You reap more than you sow. And the third law of the harvest is you reap later than you sow. The reason why some people never reap is that they sow 
and, and, then, and then they don't see anything coming up, and so they go dig it up and see if it's okay. Now, the only way it's going to be okay is if you leave it in the ground, right? You water it, you fertilize it, but you leave it in the ground. So the three laws of the harvest are you reap what you sow, you reap more than you sow, and you reap later than you sow. Say, so how's that have to do with leadership? Well, as we persist, we don't, we don't just do the right thing, but we continually do the right thing. We continually do the right thing. Continually do the right thing. Continually do the right thing. And in time, in, the t- in time, we will reap not only what we sow, but we will reap more than we sow. Talking about leadership essentials. What, what is absolutely essential to leadership, to successful leadership, to becoming a successful leadership? I've given you two. It will take passion. It will take persistence. And the third quality you must have in order to succeed as a leader is persuasion. Persuasion. Proverbs chapter 16 verse 23 says, The words of the wise are persuasive. Words of the wise are persuasive. I I said it earlier, but John Maxwell says, Leadership is influence. Leadership is influence. I believe we can also say then that leadership is persuasion. And we need to understand that position, we've talked a little bit about this already, but position is the lowest level of leadership. Let me tell you, if you have to tell somebody you're the leader, you're not. If you have to constantly remind someone of your position, of leadership, you're not the leader. Because position is the lowest level of leadership. Because even though you may have the position, if people are not following you, you're not the leader. If you have the position and they're looking to somebody else for advice, looking for somebody else to lead, then they're the leader, not you. You may have the position, but they're the leader. John Maxwell says this, I love it. He says, he who leads and has no one following is only taking a walk. He who leads and has no one following is only taking a walk. A lot of people think they're leading, but nobody's behind them. Nobody's following them. They're just taking a walk. And you cannot persuade someone else unless you are persuaded yourself. Let me talk a little bit tonight about how to, how, to persuade, how to be persuasive, how to persuade people. If, if, if it is essential as a leader to be persuasive, if it is essential as a leader uh, in order to be a successful leader to persuade people, how, how, do, how do I do it? Well, let me give you four, four things here, four things it will take. How to persuade people. Number one, you need relationships. Number one, relationships. 
Proverbs 27 and 17 says, As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. Here's what you better understand. People buy into the person more than the project. I could add even more than the product. People buy into the person more than the project, more than the product. In fact, most of the time, even though you might have the greatest product product there ever was, without the relationship, you're probably not even going to get an audience with them. So we better build relationships, right? Twelve years ago, twelve and a half years ago, I came to this church. And for whatever reason, as nice and sweet and likable as I am, there were two people in this church that didn't like me. It was obvious. It was evident. They did not like me. Can you believe that? As nice, easygoing, laid back, sweet as I am that anybody wouldn't like. But there were two people in this church that didn't like me. Now, you have to understand, the church was a lot smaller 12 years ago, about 80 people. Now there's 480, but about 80 people. So it's pretty evident, you know, that about, you know, these two people didn't like me. Very critical of me. Today, both of these people are some of my biggest supporters and biggest fans. Why? I built a relationship with them. One of these people said to me, after a few years, person who used to come to me quite often with criticism one day came to me and said pastor you have a great heart you have a great heart I built a relationship with these people if people don't buy into the person they're not going to buy into the product they're not going to buy into the project Come here a minute, Daniel. All right, we're in a boxing ring now, all right? We're in a boxing ring, all right? Okay? All right, you're just beating me up. I mean, I'm just getting beat up. So if I'm getting beat up, what should I do? Should I pull him, push him away? Should I push him away? No, he's just going to come at me, isn't he? He's just going to come at me. But if he's beating me up, you know what I need to do? I need to grab him. I need to hug him. I need to, you know, now hit me. Come on, go ahead and try. Hit, hit me, Daniel. Hit me. Come on, hit me. Come on, hit me. No, try. Really try. Come on, try. Come on. Okay, now not too hard because <laughs> you're stronger than I am. But, but if I was as strong as he is, you couldn't hit me, could you? No. 
if, if I was as strong as you are and I'm holding it, I mean, even me, not nearly as strong as you are, it's hard, isn't it? Very difficult. Very difficult for you to hit me when I'm holding you, when I'm keeping you close. And that's a problem that most of us do, and it's a problem that I've done in the past. That is when somebody, you know, had a problem with me or, you know, somebody, you know, uh, was, was, was coming at me, I, I'd, I'd have a tendency to push him away, you know, have a tendency to, you know, get as far away and keep him as far away from me as possible. But I've learned over the years, take me a long time, but I've learned over the years that I'm not going to get anywhere with those people like that. The way I'm going to get to those people is, is I get as close to them as I possibly can. Because as I get close enough to them, they can't hit me. That makes sense. The other person that didn't like me, they didn't like me because they didn't like my preaching. I can't imagine anybody not liking my preaching, man. I mean, I, I love my preaching so much, I buy my own CDs, man. I'm kidding, all right? But this person didn't like my preaching. You know what? I built a relationship with that person. And if I'm lying, I'm dying. Today, if I'm gone, on vacation, this person finds out I'm not preaching. This person doesn't come to church. Same person 12 years ago that didn't like me. Same person 12 years ago that didn't like my preaching. Today won't come to church if I'm not preaching. Is that crazy or what? How do you persuade people? Relationships. Relationships. Build relationships. Let me tell you that relationships opens doors for you. It's, it's true. It's true what we've heard all of our life. It's not, it's not what you know, but who you know. It's true. You can fight that all day long if you want to fight it, but you're going to lose the battle because it's true. I'm sitting in this chair today as pastor of the Grace Place for one reason, well, more than one reason, two reasons. Number one, God put me here. But number two, because of relationship. Because of relationship. I was traveling as a traveling minister, me and my wife. Got a phone call one day from a man who lived in this city, actually lived in Fort Worth. Knew about this church, knew about the condition of the church knew me through his brother, knew what had happened in our ministry in Midland for, uh, previously, calls me up and says, you need to pastor that church. They need your leadership. I discovered the, well, <laughs> all of the situation of the church, and I, I said, Jimmy, I thought you were my friend, man, because this place was messed up. But I'm here today. The door opened, not because of my talent, not because of my ability. It opened because of a relationship. Relationship opens doors that will never other, otherwise will never be open. Something else about relationship. Relationships provide funds for your projects. I'm thinking of a a pastor right now, I won't call his name, but he's a good gentleman, but this man uh, is not a very good preacher. I mean, as far as pulpit preaching, he's, 
In fact, I'll tell you how bad he is, actually. He called me one day, and he said, you know, he said, uh, <laughs> he said, uh, last Wednesday night, he said, uh, after church, I went home, and he said, I told my wife, I just preached the worst sermon that's ever been preached in the history of preaching. He said, but the next Wednesday night, I topped it. <laughs> that's pretty bad. And it's, and it's true. The man is not a good pulpit speaker. He's not a good speaker. He's not a good, pre- he's a good man. He's a good pastor, but he's not a good preacher. Um, he's not good at challenging, at challenging uh, the crowd. He can't, he can't, he can't challenge the, the, the crowd uh, to, you know, to, to, to give a, a, an offering, a big offering for a, for a project. He's not good at raising money to build a building, whatever. but he's awesome at one-on-one relationships. And although he can't, he can't take up, you know, two dimes on Sunday morning for a special project uh, through his preaching uh, or through his presentation, uh, but through his relationships, I've watched him over the years, and I've seen people give him a check for $100,000. I've seen one man twice give him a check for $350,000. How did he do it? Through charisma? No. Through, a, through great preaching? Pre- no. He did it through relationships. People buy into the person more than they buy into the project. They buy into the person more than they buy into the, to the, to the product. Relationships will open doors, and relationships will provide funds. How to persuade people? Number one, you need relationships. Number two, second thing you need in your life is you need reliability. Proverbs chapter 25, verse 19 says, Putting confidence in an unreliable person is like chewing with a broken tooth or walking on a lame foot. People want to follow someone they can trust. They want to follow someone who is consistent. I have a lot of sayings. One of my favorite sayings is, the greatest indicator of what a person will do is what they have done. The greatest indicator of what a person will do is what they have done. How is a person going to do? Well, most of the, it doesn't have, it's not 100%, doesn't have to be this way, but most of the time, nine times out of ten, they are going to do as they have done. Doesn't have to be that way. But nine times out of ten, it is. People will call me for a reference on, on a pastor and say, how do you think he will do uh, if we were to elect him as pastor of our church? How do you think he will do in our church? And I will tell them, he will do in your church what he did in his last church. So find out what he did in his last church and the church before that and the church before that and you'll find out, probably find out what he's going to do in your church because the greatest indicator of what a person will do is what they have done. Pastor, is is so-and-so in the church, are they going to stay with us? Well, what's their track record? Do they trot off to another church every time they get their feelings hurt? If they do, that's what they're going to do because the greatest indicator of what a person will do is what they've already done. 
It doesn't have to be that way. But it's the, it's the way it normally is. So to be a, to be a, a successful leader, to be to succeed in the area of leadership, we need to become reliable. We need to become consistent. Consistent. Because people want to follow somebody they can trust. People want to follow someone who is consistent. How do do we persuade people? Well, number three, you need respect. Respect. Proverbs 20 and 7 says, The godly walk with integrity. Blessed are their children who follow them. See, people don't have to like you in order to follow you. But they do have to respect you. Now, it helps if they like you. And that goes back to relationships and building relationships. But listen, we follow, you know, people, you know, that, that, that we don't even know. I mean, you know, we don't know the President of the United States. We don't know the governor. We don't know the police chief. People don't have to like you in order to follow you, but they do have to respect you. And so we need to earn the respect. We need to be respectful. We need to earn the respect of people because if we don't earn the respect of people, then they're not going to follow us. And if they're not following us, then we're not leading. Pastor, my wife won't won't follow me. Well, have you earned her respect? Because if you haven't earned her respect, she's not going to follow you. She won't follow you until you earn her respect. A couple years ago or so, I lose track of time, a couple years ago or so, a man in our church walked up to me one night and uh, he said, and he got in my face. And he said, Pastor, I've been watching you. I said, okay. I've been watching you. Okay. I didn't know what to expect. I had no idea what was coming next. I didn't think it was going to be good. He said, I want to thank you. Because I've watched you. And he said, you practice what you preach. Practice what you preach. I've watched how you live. Watched how you treat your wife, how you treat your kids, how you spend your money, what you drive. You practice what you preach. Thank you. Results. Proverbs 22 and 29 says, Do you see any truly competent workers? They will serve kings rather than working for ordinary people. Got by that one. Until people until you earn the respect of people, they're not gonna follow you. Amen? And the last one tonight, we'll wrap this up here in about five minutes. 
is results. People want to follow someone who has done something. People want to follow someone who has done something. People want to follow someone who is ahead of them. I mean, if they're not ahead of them, how can they follow? That's why it's hard. I didn't say it's impossible, but it's hard for a young person to teach on parenting. Because as a young parent, you are only teaching theory. Sorry, but you are. You're only teaching theory. You're only teaching out of somebody's book. And that's not all bad. I'm not saying it's all bad. But it's hard, or at least harder for a young person to teach on parenting because they hadn't been there, done that, bought the t-shirt yet. It's hard to teach anything that you haven't walked out in reality. Because people will only listen and follow it so far. People will only listen and follow so far if you have no practical experience and you haven't, unless you have shown some success in that particular area. The reason why our church voted nearly unanimously to change the name from New Bethel to the Grace Place, to move out of the building next door and build this building here, primarily the the reason is because of the results of the past. What we had done in the past had proven successful. And so since our leadership, the, the, the leading of our leadership has brought success thus far, well then, you know what? We can trust our leadership to lead us further. That makes sense. So we're talking about essentials of leadership. A lot of, a lot of, a lot of things we could talk about tonight, but I, I believe these are three Essentials. They, you you got to have. You, you got to have passion. You've got to have a passion for what you're doing. If you don't have a passion for what you're doing, you either need to revive that passion, or you need to find out what it is that you are passionate about and go do that. Daniel, can I share your story? We have that sitting right here on our second seat, right here. A young man here who was a highway patrolman, state trooper. Went to school, took the test, went to work, did his job. I'm sure he did his job well, but discovered that's not where his passion was. Discovered that that wasn't where his heart was. This young man was wise enough to figure out, I'm not going to spend the rest of my life just making a living. I want to make a difference. And so he's discovered where his passion is. And so he's going a different direction. He's taken some steps. He's taken a test. He's made application. He's and and, and I have no doubt that he you're, you're going to get 
Young lady, you're going to get a new husband coming home to you every night. We have a new husband come home to you every night when he gets hooked up to what his passion is. And it's just unbelievable what God's going to do in and through you. And, and Daniel, I'm proud of you for, for doing that because so many people would just say, you know what? I made my bed. I'm going to lie in it, you know. I went to school, you know. I got my job. I got my whatever, whatever, you know. Now, listen, if you're 60 years old and you find yourself there, you just better stay put, okay? You better just stay put, and you better find your passion on the weekends and after five, okay? And you better just stay hooked up to what you're doing, all right? But if you're a young man like Daniel or even maybe even maybe even middle-aged, you know, it's okay. Find that passion and, 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 and go for it, amen, because, because, because you will... You'll never succeed to the, to the place where you could succeed without passion for what you're doing. And then persistence, persistence, because even though you have a passion for it, and Daniel, even though you've got a passion for what you want to do, you're going you're gonna to find out that it ain't all going to be, you know, even this, it's gonna, there's going to be some, you know, some bad with good and some hard difficulties. I love what I do, but, you know, every once in a while I... I don't love what I do, but it doesn't last very long. We just have to keep moving forward, right? Keep putting one foot in front of the other. Keep doing what we have to do. And then persuasion. Persuasion. Learning how to be persuasive. We persuade people through relationships, by being reliable, by earning their respect, and by getting some notches in our belt called results. Father, thank you for the time that we've had tonight, Lord, just to share uh, just a few things as we just start lesson one and just kind of lay a foundation and just get started. I just pray, Lord, that you will help us tonight, Father, to take these principles, Father, and uh, God, we will apply these principles to our everyday life. Father, I pray your blessing upon each one as we go home tonight. Father, bring us back Sunday, Lord, with an excitement and anticipation of great things. Bring us back next Wednesday night, Father, expecting to learn more about leadership. Father, help us, Lord, layer upon layer upon layer, Lord, to become the leader you've called us to be and what we want to be so we can be successful for your kingdom. Hear you one day say, well done, good and faithful servant, faithful over a little bit, ruler over a lot, enter into the joy of your Lord. Bless you and love you. Praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.